Thank you for tuning in to Songs of Praise from 3ABN Australia Radio. We trust you'll enjoy this musical selection to bring you peace, comfort and hope.
Listening to Songs of Praise. We have 
our sins and griefs to bear And what a privilege to carry Everything to God in prayer Oh, what peace we often forfeit Oh, what needless pain
Though you have tried so hard and lost There is still hope Just look to the cross There you will find That the Savior really loves you And cares for you today And if he hung the moon I know he will help you And if he holds the sparrow in flight He'll hold you too Consider the Much more he loves you. He loves you in the beginning of time. You were on his mind when he hung the moon. In the beginning of time, you were on his mind. When he hung the moon, he hung the
Psalm 47, verses 6 and 7. Sing praises to God. Sing praises. Sing praises to our King. Sing praises. For God is the King of all the earth. Sing praises. Sing ye praises with understanding. No. 
chose each word that I might say And although there were times I stepped out of His will I've never been out of His care This changing My loving Father charged me with joy, with peace, and with light. And He knows where I am every hour of every day. He knows each thought I think. Knows each word that I might say, and although there were times I stepped out of His will, I've never been out of His care. I've never been out of His care.
Listening to 3ABN Australia Radio's Songs of Praise. As the deer panteth for the water, so my soul longeth after you. You alone are my heart's 
in sin, but Jesus took me in, and then a little light from heaven filled my soul. It bathed my heart in love and wrote my name above, and just a little talk with Jesus made me whole. Now let's have a little talk with Jesus, tell him all about our trouble, he will hear our faintest cry, answer by and by, you feel little prayer will turn in, your little fire is burning, you will find a little talk with Jesus makes it right, it makes it right. I may have doubts and fears, my eyes be filled with tears, but Jesus is a friend who watches day and night. I go to him in prayer, he knows my every care. And just a little talk with Jesus makes it right. Let's have a little talk with Jesus. Let's tell him all about our trouble. He will hear our faintest cry. Answer by and by. You feel the prayer will turn in. No little fire is burning. You will find a little talk with Jesus makes it right. Talk. 
Walk with Jesus. Tell him all about all my
We here at 3ABN Australia Radio are delighted to share songs of praise with you. We look forward to your company next time. Today, in 3ABN Australia Radio's book reading, we are commencing a new book, Banish the Night, by the late missionary pilot and pastor Len Barnard, and read by Clive Nash. The book is set in Papua New Guinea. Banish the Night is broadcast with the kind permission of Pacific Press, the copyright holders. First published in 1969, it was reprinted in 2014 and is available in print at Adventist book centres and in digital editions online. I hope you will enjoy Banish the Night. Chapter 1. To be a missionary. While the American GIs were storming the beaches of Guadalcanal in 1942, the Australian forces were driving back the determined Japanese over the Kokoda Trail in Papua. I was in the Australian Army Medical Corps, helping those who were wounded in the cruel jungle fighting. As the tide of battle behind Port Moresby receded, I was assigned to the special ANGAU, Australia New Guinea Administrative Unit, caring for the Papuans and New Guineans. After taking an advanced course in tropical medicine, I was placed in charge of a hospital in Papua. While working at the hospital admitting post at Hanuabada, village one afternoon, I received a note from a senior army officer requesting me to examine 50 carriers who had just ended a lengthy and arduous trek. These cargo boys were in lamentable condition, suffering from malnutrition and a variety of tropical diseases, a pitiful-looking group indeed. After examining most of the line and admitting nearly all for treatment, I noticed something different. The skin of the last six men was in healthier tone, and although lean from apparent privation, they were obviously happier. I plied them with questions in pidgin English. Which way you walk about one time, other fella, man altogether time? Have you been on the journey with the other men all the time? Yes, sir. You fella kai kai all the same other fella man? Have you eaten the same food as the other men? They said they had eaten practically the same food. I asked whether they were medical orderlies or had carried medicine to treat themselves. No got. I was running out of questions, but my curiosity was not satisfied. Could they be Christians, I asked. They replied that they were Seventh-day Adventists. Great was our mutual joy when I told them that I also was an Adventist. We all enthusiastically shook hands. Their faces beamed with happiness. I was the first European Adventist they had seen since, in the remote highlands, their Australian missionaries had been forced to leave them the year before. That evening, these fine Christian men came to see me. The tropical waters of the Coral Sea were lapping lazily against the wooden stilts of the hut built over the water. As the full moon sailed silently through the coconut palms, my visitors recounted their arduous experiences of the past several months. Early in 1942, when it had become obvious that the ambitious Japanese would overrun New Guinea, the government ordered evacuation of all foreign civilians. 
Among these were the veteran Adventist missionary pastors, A.J. Campbell and S.H. Ganger, who had pioneered at recently explored Kainantu and Binabina, New Guinea. Trusted Adventist nationals from another island where the gospel had been established for several years moved in. Only recently brought from their coastal village, these Musau Islanders were bewildered when left alone among the natives of the untamed hinterland. Tribal fighting was almost a daily occurrence. Nevertheless, resolving to be true to God regardless of the cost, these men witnessed for him whenever opportunity made it practical. It had not been many years since they themselves had been transformed from degrading paganism. Shortly after the Japanese withdrew, the Australian Army decided to reconnoitre a trail from Kainantu in the hinterland through unexplored country to Karima on the coast. The bold expedition would pass through dreaded cannibal country not yet traversed by white men. An Australian Army officer was placed in charge of this patrol and he selected 50 islanders as carriers, including the six mission workers. In the cannibal country called Fores, where their intrusion was resented, the expedition was twice ambushed and viciously attacked, but was able to fight its way out. Every day became a nightmare under the persistent savage harassment. Although the guns of the guards kept the primitive warriors at bay, to avoid constant fighting, the patrol had nevertheless to keep moving. Still far from the coast, struggling on and on over the seemingly endless mountains, they eventually came to the coastal lowlands. Here, amid flooded rivers and crocodile-infested swamps, continually hampering their progress, their supplies ran out. For two weeks, they had no regular food. In desperation, some of the party ate leaves of different trees and became ill. The mission lads cooked theirs and did not become ill. Morning and evening, they withdrew from the company to commune with their Heavenly Father and implore His help. One day, pig tracks were seen. A shout of excitement roused the weary lion. Darting into the bush, carriers soon hunted the animal down and returned with their trophy trussed to a pole on which it was triumphantly carried till the end of the day when it was roasted. Portions were passed round, and the treat was ravenously devoured by all except the mission group. In vain the army officer tried to persuade them to eat. They refused. They felt to do so would compromise their convictions against eating unclean flesh. Conditions became more grim. Dense, tangled jungle thwarted the progress of the patrol, and they had to hack their way forward. As the men grew weaker every day, sickness loomed ever-present. One man became too weak to walk, and although most of the others were too weak to assist, the mission men offered to carry their comrade until he regained strength. At times they were so feeble that they would stop hourly and pray. Emerging at last from the jungle, the company with great relief saw the upper reaches of the Parari River. This meant they could float downstream by canoe, and a few days later they came to a riverside village where food and help were offered them. Finally, after three interminable months of gruelling hardship and constant danger, the expedition reached Karima on the steamy Papuan coast. After their ordeal, the men were shipped to Port Moresby, then sent to our group for medical examination. 
The striking contrast between the mission lads and the other carriers left an indelible impression upon my mind and awoke in me a desire to be a missionary. Chapter 2 Me Fella Ready Along Die Now As the war closed, I was stationed at Medang on the northern coast of New Guinea as officer in charge of the hospital there. A few days after arriving, I was visited by an impressive young man of Musau named Mamatau. He said he was a Seventh-day Adventist and wanted to talk with me. Unable to break away from my medical tasks, I invited him and two other Adventist young men on the hospital staff to visit me that night. As this was the beginning of the Sabbath, Mamatau, Eti, Sam and I worshipped our Heavenly Father together. I was the first European Adventist they had seen since pre-war days. Mamatau, the leader, told me their story. While passing through Madang on a trip to the highlands, Pastor Gander had left these Musaus in a village nearby in response to a call for an evangelist. They did not apostatize after the Japanese invaded the country, but raised up a church in the jungle by their faithful witness, one of their number, Masikuku, dying from disease at his post during this period. Despite their hardships, this night their hearts were full of happiness for what God had done for them during the years of occupation. Following the Japanese landing at Madang, the New Guineans, with whom the Adventist workers were staying, left their coastal village to build on a ridge a few miles inland. The Musaus went with them and soon erected a church and a school. A few months later, they were surprised when summoned to Madang by the Japanese commandant. Fearfully, they answered the summons. The Japanese captain eyed the group suspiciously and informed them that they had been reported as teaching English in school as well as speaking it in church. He recited further accusations of messages sent to the Australians about the movement and strength of the Japanese forces and demanded to know whether these things were so. Mamatao replied that they did teach and preach in simple English but had not sent the messages. The officer curtly ordered them to cease using the English language as the Australians would not be returning and decreed woe to anyone rash enough to send messages to them. Mamatao respectfully answered that they taught English so that the New Guineans could read the English Bible for themselves as well as during church services. But the captain repeated his command and dismissed the men. Several weeks later they were again summoned before the captain. This time the angry officer demanded why they had defied him by continuing to speak English in their school and church. He charged them not to preach Christianity, citing a new order allowing only the Emperor of Japan to be worshipped. To this Mamanto replied with deference that he could not refrain from preaching the gospel. The officer's face flushed. Drawing his sword, he warned Mamatao and his friends to comply or he would cut off their heads. Slowly they wended their way home. To obey meant surrendering their faith, but to refuse meant death. There was no missionary leader from whom to seek advice, but they could pray to the master missionary. So stepping into the jungle, they besought God with deep anguish for his divine guidance. They loved to teach his gospel, but if they were killed, who would help the congregations? The Lord's instructions were clear. 
Go, teach and preach. Had he not said he would be with them to the end? So their united decision was that they would continue. Two Sabbaths later, an enchanting tropical morning dawned. Under the clear blue sky, a cooling breeze blew from the coast, scented with the exotic perfumes of flowering shrubs and trees. Brilliant butterflies fluttered leisurely by. All nature seemed to join in an anthem of praise to its creator. Eating early, then washing and dressing beside the refreshing stream, the village folk strolled up to the thatched church on the hill. With a tattered and torn picture roll, the Sabbath school was held, followed by a simple church service conducted by the leader. Suddenly, a detachment of gesticulating and yelling Japanese soldiers swiftly surrounded the church. Shouting as he approached, a soldier seized Mamato by the arm and attempted to drag him outside. Cried Mamato, You fella banish him finish house lotu. Me fella no can run away. Please allow in me finish him lotu. You have surrounded the church so we cannot run away, so please allow me to finish the meeting. Reluctantly, the soldier released his grip, standing outside the entrance with bayonet fixed. Mamatao pleaded for the congregation to be faithful to God even at the price of life itself. He and his friends who had come to teach them about the great God above were ready to die. Kneeling in prayer, Mamatao in a choked voice commended his flock to the divine shepherd. They sang a farewell hymn. Then, believing it would be their last opportunity, the heroic missionary shook hands with each member of the congregation. When the last one had made his exit, the three evangelists purposefully walked over to the Japanese captain. Did I not tell you, the officer demanded, that I would behead you with this sword if you refused to obey my orders? Thus all, me fella ready along die now. Yes, sir, and we are ready to die now. This courage startled the officer, whose heart had already been touched by the tearful partings. Just as he was willing to die for his emperor, these men were willing to die for their god. He conferred with his soldiers, then announced that because he was impressed by their fidelity, he would allow these men to worship their god as they wished, as long as they did not send messages to the Australians. Relieved beyond expression, the three willingly agreed. When he had finished, Mamato smiled and said, Me fell all the same Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego. Tune in again next week for the next episode of Banish the Night, written by Len Barnard and read by Clive Nash. Let's listen to William Ackland as he shares a psalm from his paraphrase of the Bible called The Gift. Psalm 43. We do not know who wrote this psalm, but it is a beautiful psalm, and the subject is a prayer to God in times of trouble. Exonerate me, O God, and defend my cause against a wayward nation. O Please deliver me from the devious and the unjust, for you, O God, are the one who gives me strength. So why do you seem to ignore me? Why am I left 
to bear alone the torments of my enemies. Broadcast your light and your truth. Let these lead me to the place where I can worship you in your holy tabernacle. Then I will present myself before the altar of God, giving me a joy I cannot express. I will praise you on the harp, for you are my God, O Lord, most high. I say to myself, why are you so despondent? Why are you so agitated deep within? I must put my hope in God, for I will yet praise him who is my salvation and my God.